Hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to the latest episode of Gamesphere. Um, so there's a lot to talk about this episode. I am actually joined by Matt DLN, who you, DLN that is, who you may have heard of from the Destination Linux family, uh, specifically from uh, Destin, DLN Extend. Is it DLN, DLN Extend or DLN? Wow. <laughs> it is DLN Extend. DLN extend right cool I'm going to keep that in by the way by the way um, okay so uh, before we crack on with the show though there is uh, a pretty sizable update um, due to uh, personal circumstances I'm not really going to be able to continue doing the show but worry not good folks at home because um, Matt is actually gonna gonna take on take on the mantle take over the mantle pick up the mantle I forgot that expression He's going to carry on the show and he's going to take it on and he's going to do it in um, in his own style. And I you know, look deeply forward to uh, to seeing how that pans out. And I'm incredibly grateful that um, that the uh, Gamesphere gets to, to live on um, in a in a new life, which is which is great. Um, and uh, I do want to sort of take this moment to, to thank the uh, Destination Linux family, uh, Michael, Ryan, uh, particularly who genuinely made me feel at home uh, doing this podcast. They gave me so much guidance and support and they were absolutely wonderful um, and very inspirational, actually. And um, and I I'm incredibly sorry that I couldn't uh, couldn't carry on because um, because they put a lot of work into into getting this set up. Um, but, um, but I am glad to see it going forward and, um, and I'm incredibly looking forward to seeing what, what Matt does to that. So, uh, Matt, um, say hello to the good people. <laughs> what is up everybody? Uh, glad to be here, Chris. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So, uh, without further ado, let's, uh, let's get on to, uh, our first, uh, uh, the first thing that I have in my show notes here. Um, so this is fascinating because last week I talked about Google Stadia closing their, their first party studios. Now that has shattered a lot of people's, well, I say shattered a lot of people's confidence in the platform. I have not actually seen that much confidence in the platform anyway. This new sort of up and coming streaming service, which just allows you to go into stadia.com uh, you know, in your uh, usually Chromium-based uh, browser, and um, and to fire up a AAA game with with minimal cost to your 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 hardware, uh, providing you've got a solid enough internet connection, uh, many people have not really been taking to 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 it really. And part of this might be because Google has a habit of of, of killing projects um, quite early on. Um, it might just be that. People, by and large, don't trust Google when it comes to games. Um, but there's a yet another uh, slice of bad news for for Google. Um, Terraria, which was due to come to to Stadia, was cancelled because their developer was was locked out of their account um, for reasons that still remain unknown. Um, so this is a bit of bad news for Stadia in a week when Stadia really could use a little bit of good news. Now, I do on the surface of it actually quite like stadia but the way that google seemed to have been handling it over the past year or so has been pretty pretty poor to to, to be honest and i um i am interested to see sort of the longevity you know like how long steam might uh, it's not sorry not steam how long stadia uh, might be with us um i mean do you have any thoughts on that matt so first off um i remember things like on live so big things like streaming. Um, I love the theory, low barrier to entry, um, uh, doesn't have the upfront hardware requirements of like a console or a, you know, PC or insert operating system here. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. The execution and the technical limitations are still a constant thing. Mm. And 
Google, I'll give Google credit when Cyberpunk 2077 first came out mm-hmm. and they were saying, people were saying, if you want to play it, play it on Stadia. That yeah. was great marketing, the free marketing that they were yeah. getting. Google literally blows everything up anytime they get good traction. Yeah. And that, I mean, because, you know, they they just put Jade Raymond, who was one of the developers for Ubisoft for things like Assassin's Creed and a bunch of other games. Mm. They just put her out of a job. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So to me, I trust Google when it comes to their consistency and their product line that they'll consistently drop stuff, mm. uh, which is unfortunate because I think Stadia does have a place. It, it the mm. concept's good. Uh, you know, it had a lot of good positive stuff as far as the uh, Terraria dev mm. canceling it. Uh, that from what I've read, and this is just his, mm-hmm. I believe his Twitter rant, if I remember, if I read correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was basically he was locked out of everything on his Google everything account. Yeah. it wasn't just like a developer account oh no it's a gmail yeah. uh drive the yeah. whole shebang everything's 15 years gone yeah and he doesn't know why and he has basically said that your cust uh your developer support i believe was uh trying you might have to edit this is a burning <laughs> dumpster fire <laughs> yeah and He's not wrong. So his take was, if you're going to treat your developers this way and not build your partnerships, then why am I going to port a game to your system? So he pulled support and that's well within his right. If he thinks it's a bad system for, you know, him as developer, which obviously in his case, it very much is. So I can totally agree with why he's, he's frustrated. And, and, you know, Google has to understand how to better cultivate with the smaller third-party developers. Their yeah. problem that I've seen is they're chasing the EAs, they're chasing the Ubisofts, they're cha- mm-hmm. you know they're chasing the AAA. You guys literally have Phil Harrison at you're in charge of Stadia. This guy worked mm. for PlayStation. You guys should know third party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um. I mean, some people have have said to me that they they reckon that there's like a, an internal conflict. In the, you know, amongst the corporate suits at Google, about between some that want you know to see Google go in the you know to, to see Google embrace gaming, and 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 those that don't, and and maybe you know parts of the Stadia um, failings might be as, as a result of that. I don't know. That's literally gossip in here, say so. Um, but yeah, like it's the thing is with, with Stadia is that they needed to cultivate confidence because if people are going to invest money, this is not like a free platform that can sort of speak for itself. It's not like, uh, for example, YouTube where it's like, Oh, just, you know, watch these videos. If it doesn't work then well, you know, no great loss. But with, um, you know, if you're asking people to put up and we're talking AAA game prices, right? You know, the, the gold edition of, of Hitman, including Hitman three of Hitman three triple Well, I close to a triple A game that, that just came out 75 British quid. So that's like what a hundred American dollars. Um, that's a lot of money for, for people to put down on a, on a platform that I don't know, like it, does it look like it's going to be here in a couple of years time? There's a lot of people say, you know, a lot of people seem to feel that it's not or wouldn't be. Um, and, and, you know, in, in a platform that sort of requires consumer confidence, if people aren't going to start putting money down, I don't know what, you know, Google are going to have to do something, they're going to have to pull something completely out of the hat, from my point of view, to, to make it work, whether or not it's, it's letting people, uh, you know, putting putting up a few games for free, like a few really like noteworthy games that, that, that people can then start playing for free to actually, you know, get their foot in the door. Um, but I don't know. Like it, it just seems like it's blow after blow for Stadia, and I, I like the platform. I've got games on Stadia. Um, I'd be fascinated to see what happens to to the money that I put down if Stadia were to disappear tomorrow. Um, would I get Steam keys? Would I just lose it all? I don't know. It'd be a PR disaster if they just decided to pull the plug a couple of years uh, into it, and then you know anyone putting any money into Stadia has lost it. Yeah. So. People want to know, you know, uh, 
when it comes to like games that I highlight, I usually highlight games that are generically specifically on Steam because this problem has come up before. There are games mm-hmm. that do get pulled off Steam. Yeah. That are no longer sellable for whatever reason. There are games that I still have on my library that I can play. Mm-hmm. I yeah. can still download them. I can still uh Transformers War for Cybertron is one of them. I can download mm-hmm. that. I can play that. It's not on on Steam for sale anymore, but I can Google on yeah. the other hand, uh specifically with Stadia, it literally is a rent service. Like, yeah, you know, pe- people talk about, you know, th- this is pushing that licensing model as far as it can go because yeah. they kill the servers, but they kill your connection to everything. Yeah. I mean, this is the, this is the ultimate, it seems to be the ultimate destination for software as a service, specifically games as a service. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is rental. I, I, and I think, you know, if you were to, to in any way go into to video game streaming of any stripe, it's there is a, a rental component here. Um, I, I've I've also I've got the GeForce Now um, subscription, and it's five dollars a month, I think it is, or five pounds a month. I can't remember which one now. It's it's a reasonably like you know it's it's a reasonably modest fee considering that I can play um, and you know quite a, quite a number of AAA games at the highest uh, the highest uh, you know graphical fidelity, um, and the games that I buy. I keep, you know, they're in my Steam library. If I choose to use the Epic Store, they'll be in the Epic Store, or I think even GOG have a couple of games on the on the GeForce Now platform. Now, um, it also I've I've noticed with GeForce Now is that it does actually work on slower connections. Now you might get a little bit more artifacting as a result of that, but and it, you know, I think it depends what kind of graphical fidelity you're expecting out of a game. If you're uh, perhaps a little bit like me and, and, and are maybe a little bit less interested in it and are just happy to, to play a game, you know, and, and I've got a solid enough internet connection. It, um, it to me, it's, it, I, you know, this, this, this five pound a month that I put down for GeForce now is just renting someone else's computer in, you know, in, in the cloud. And if it were to go away tomorrow, you know, there's a solid plan for, 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 for keeping your games. So, I think the the way that GeForce Now have done it have definitely you know I I seems to have been the better way. I know that that with with Stadia it's smoother. Like it just you know you go into the Stadia website, it looks like the front end of a games console, um, and and it's and it's smooth and it's slick and 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 I do quite like it. And I I performance has always been great for me as well. Um, and it it just it does seem that with Stadia like. They had so much potential, and I think they just kept choking. You know, they just kept uh, all of these. Like the, it seems the majority of these problems that that, that Stadia come up against are, are completely of Google's own 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 making. Really, it seems. Honestly, I think Google, like when it comes to the studio closure specifically, I think Google didn't realize how expensive video games are. <laughs> yes, uh, but then again, Google, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know how, you know, like uh, the, the scale of economics to this is completely lost on me as well. But I mean, we are talking now, we are in an era where video games are up there with, 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 with the movie industry, right? In fact, if I'm not mistaken, that video games have surpassed uh, Hollywood movies now. So it does make sense that what, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars might be going into, into making a video game. And some of those AAA games very much hundreds of millions of dollars. So the last example I I was shown, um, because for those that don't know, I was actually in the games press, quote unquote, media, whatever you want to call it at one point. Um, See Project Red, who gets a lot of flack right now for justifiable reasons. Um, <laughs> they, I believe it was either The Witcher 2 or 3, they spent like $60 million on the budget for the game. They spent mm-hmm. $60 million just in advertising. Yeah. That is an unsustainable business model when your advertising budget is as big as your developmental budget. Yeah. That's... Uh... So that's 120 million from a at the time, you know, double A studio. Mm. Yeah, that's. Um, but here's the thing, right? I mean, Google are one of the wealth wealthiest companies in the world. Really, it seems, or well, they're certainly like up there. They're they're they're, they're they, you know the. There's a part of me that thinks, and, and 
to be honest, the chances are I've got the economics of this all wrong, but it, it, Google sticking, keeping the first party studios going as expensive as they are might have been worth it just to foster the consumer confidence though, because the the PR hit they got from closing those might very well have cost them the platform. I don't know. It certainly is a, is a blow that is, is not a good look for them. No, definitely. Um, I think my long short on Stadia is lots of potential, lots of mismanagement. Yeah. Yeah, I, I fully agree. This episode of GameSphere is brought to you by, of course, DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud-native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point to your GitHub repository and let the App Platform do all the heavy lifting. It has support for Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, and Docker. DigitalOcean runs their app platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with other products. Plus, they built this new app platform on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control over your infrastructure setup. As a listener of the GameSphere podcast and the Destination Linux network, you can get started for free. And in fact, better than free, because DigitalOcean is giving you a hundred dollars of credit when you sign up by going to do.co slash dln. That's do.co forward slash dln. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of the GameSphere and for generally being kind to the Destination Linux network. Thank you very much, DigitalOcean. As uh wonderful okay cool all right well um speaking of streaming platforms actually i've been using geforce now to play um world rally championship 7 which i um actually i was i was playing a little bit of that today and i am actually quite thrilled because after several hours of 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 playing through i finally worked my way out of a very restrictive contract with ford focus and the ford focus racing team in uh, world rally championship you know when you just like sign you know is it like i i remember when i quite you know like when i sort of started the game and i was like a you know a young budding uh rally driver and i signed the first contract that came along ford focus and boy i did not enjoy driving those cars and now uh after i've uh i've played through two two seasons of, of rally and it's a great game right very real like it feels very realistic like the cars just feel great on um on the track uh, I finally managed to sign a deal with Peugeot. I'm thrilled. I've got a 206, I think it is, um, uh, rather than the Ford Focus. Ford Focus, crikey. I did not realise what a terrible rally car that car would have made because uh, just the steering. Steering is disastrous on it. And I learned to drive in a Ford Focus, and it's a bit of a family car, or certainly, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit, certainly a bit bigger than the kind of cars I drive, and it's certainly a bit more of a ship than a you know like it's, it's, it's that you know it just it just goes straight you have to slow right down to turn around i got that Peugeot uh, 206 208 i can't remember now it's a little sensible hatchback Peugeot, and it just zips around and i am absolutely loving that game uh now now that i've actually worked my way out of that that, that sort of restrictive horrible ford focus contract um it's an absolutely beautiful game to play the graphics are just superb and i've got to be honest my sort of like the, the, so, I I like to play racing games on 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 the easier mode settings because I like a little bit of a challenge, but I really don't like pushing myself too much because I kind of like the idea of just going for a sort of a virtual drive in the countryside. That sounds kind of a bit weird, but like uh, I kind of like enjoying the experience, you know, enjoying the feeling of the car, and 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 I, I always find that a bit kind of strange because I. I don't actually like driving that much in real life. Um, I got a nice, small, sensible hatchback myself, and as far as cars go, it's you know one of the nicer cars I've driven. Because when you live out in you know in, in a sort of semi-rural area, having a nice small car is kind of great because like it just ha- you know going down country roads if another car's coming up the other way, it's easy to squeeze by and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, but yeah, rally games from time to time, every couple of years, I will just have this mad itch for, for, for racing games. And I've, I've actually bought three last week. I talked about grid on, on the stadia, which I actually thought was quite nice, but it was, you know, it was a bit more on the arcadey side of things. And now I'm on to world rally championship seven. I think there's a world rally championship nine now that's available in the Epic stores. So that's also, I, I can play that on, on GeForce now. So I don't know, once I'm done with seven, I might go, might jump, jump over to, to nine. Um, but the thing I love about it is that like, it really nails that the driving surface, uh, where, you know, you, you know, you've got tarmac and you can zip about on tarmac and then you've got the, the, the gravel and you just slide on it. And it's just like, it just feels right. Like you drive on gravel, like you, nit- like you, your mindset just drops into this much more cautious, you know, uh, hesitant, slow down, take the corners easy kind of kind of mindset, and and the game does a really good job of just sort of like ushering you into that. Um, so yeah, I, um, I I also I think I was driving um, a VW Polo uh, in the uh, uh, in that game as well. And I really actually quite enjoy driving the VW Polo, but it's nice. Each of the different cars have like, you know, they, they, they feel like their characteristics that they're sold on. Um, which is, uh, which is really quite nice. I, I, I really did do quite like that game. Um, uh, but yeah, I, uh, my, uh, I, I will probably, uh, after a few more hours of this, move on to, um, uh, I think it's uh, V Rally. I'm actually just gonna gonna quickly check now. Yes, uh, V Rally Four, which is also available on GeForce now, um, and sort of weigh up that one to see how it, how it goes. But um, yeah, no, I've absolutely been uh, I've been really having a good time with that. And uh, yeah, I uh, I know that uh, like racing games are not uh, are not necessarily you know they they are certainly very much of a, a niche genre. But um, I don't know, are you much of a racing uh, game? uh fan matt um it depends on the racing game i like the the dirt dirt rally and uh you know Mm. the dirt games dirt three um dirt four uh grid you're right is kind of reminds me of a slower Mm. version of like asphalt nine Mm. um so for me racing games are one of those that i have to be in the mood to play but when oh, yeah. I'm in the, in the mood to play, I play them a lot. Um, yeah. Like one of my favorite games for racing games on PS3 was actually Gran Turismo 5. So, oh, yeah. Like, I, I like my racing games, but it's very situational. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be like, after, after I've gone through this sort of um, cycle of going through, I've almost completed the career mode of grid. And I never thought like that, t- that takes some, some, some hours, but it, I'm, I quite enjoy putting a podcast on and then playing through grid is just like, um, it gives me, you know, it gives, it gives you something to sort of do with your hands. That's not, not too, uh, distracting from, from listening to a podcast. I like, you know, it's, um, scratch is a nice, nice, uh, nice itch, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I had a, had a great time and, um, I'm looking forward to it. I have amused myself much more than I should have. I've called my uh, my racing driver Adam Driver, uh, of course, named after Adam Driver, who plays Kylo Ren in the Star Wars films. But uh, yeah, for some reason now now that he's he's wrapped up with the Star Wars films, he's taken on a career as a rally driver. Um, so uh, Matt, what uh, what have you been playing lately? So. Uh, depends on the day. So mm-hmm. earlier this year, I kind of made a challenge to myself. My backlog of games is terrible. Mm. <laughs> my my wall of shame, stack of shame, Steam collection of shame. <laughs> you know, insert PC gaming place here. Shame. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's bad. So what I've been doing is I've just been trying to kind of play through some of my backlog. Um, so. Right now, I'm playing Vikings Wolves of Midgard, which is oh. a uh, isometric, um, up to date, non crappy Diablo three, <laughs> <laughs> without the online requirement component, um, oh. and it's native for Linux. So, mm-hmm. um, it's by the guys who did. Uh, what's the other game they did? Shadows Awakening, I believe, is mm-hmm. the other one that they've done, and. 
Um, for me, it, it's just, I'm just trying to chip away at some of these games that I've had for way, way too long. Um, yeah. I know, uh, f- my biggest thing is I actually started playing Vikings with Ryan mostly just because it was uh, a land co-op game that you could do the story mm-hmm. through. Yeah. And that was amazing because you're like, you mean the thing Blizzard took away that made Diablo 2 fun? <laughs> uh, um, so that's one of the games that I've been playing. The other games that I'm on and off with, uh, um, on PS4, um, kind of bouncing back into Spider-Man, um, bouncing back into that on Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have um, one of the Digimon games. Uh, oh, Digimon Crikey, that's a blast from the past. Wow. Uh, Digimon Cyber Sleuth. So I'm a oh. I'm a big story guy. So uh, I like like a lot of RPGs and stuff. So I, that's where I tend to focus a lot of my energy as far as games. Wow, but, uh, that's that that's quite a cool. I I was having a I think it was literally yesterday. I was having a chat and someone brought up someone I know. Actually, it was uh, Drew who who was on on the show a couple of episodes ago. He's talking about how um how that very same Digi what's it called Digi the Sleuth uh, Digimon Cyber. Well, okay, so Cybersleuth, that's it. The 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 Switch version is what they call the complete version. If you get the mm-hmm. PS4 version or the P or same with the PC version, which by the way is platinum for those that want to know the Proton DB rating. Ah, good. Um, on the Switch, mm-hmm. it's actually two games in one. Same with the uh, PC version. It, it's Digimon Cyber Sleuth. Um, then you get the side story i guess which is digimon cyber sleuth hackers memories which i love how they just tack more names onto stuff but a fun game so it's uh, so so is it a role-playing game then yes uh it's a role-playing game think in the vein of probably you know typical pokemon kind of like the newer pokemons kind of stuff mm-hmm. but there's a more mature storyline, more thorough storyline. <laughs> um, <laughs> instead of just beat the gym leader, it's uh, it's a little more involved in that. So uh, that that's what I've been liking about it. And obviously, you get to deal with like the the evolutions and the all the other stuff of your characters that you can choose and do what you will with. So th- there's a lot to it. And I think, uh, but the battle, like the battle system is pretty straightforward. It's just that your typical like turn-based RPG that you've probably been playing since like Final Fantasy VI. Um, <laughs> so, but those are the games that I've been playing currently. Cyber, I I, I got to get into Cyber Sleuth because you know the thing is like I thought that Digimon like to me Digimon went away like I remember watching it when I was uh, when I was a kid. And I watched up until sort of like the very beginning of season three and season three sort of pushed me off because it was such a different um, change of pace to season two. But I really love one and two. Um, Does Cyber Sleuth, like what sort of, where in the Digimon sort of timeline does does Cyber Sleuth come in? Uh, That's going to be a hard one to actually determine um, because it doesn't, it, uh, there's more of an acceptance of what Digimon. Okay, so like in the original show, mm-hmm. the the human world didn't know about the the quote unquote Digi world. Mm-hmm. Um, in the game series, specifically on this, it, humans, specifically hackers, do know about Digimon. Um, mm. it, there's a, I guess you could call it a VR kind of like a second life. Um, you know, PlayStation, whatever the, their me verse kind of thing was. Yeah. It, it has that element to it mixed in with like hacking, um, you, you, the, the more general acceptance of Digimon that are viable, um, specifically among hackers and stuff that, but they have most of the hackers that at least as far as I've played, have viewed Digimon as nothing more than tools, which is kind of something that's like a theme from the uh, earlier episodes of the shows and stuff. Yeah. So th- there's a lot of kind of cool like callbacks, but I- I'm not sure directly how far like into like the the narrative structure that 
these games actually fit specifically. Oh, okay. So is it is it worth imagining it as just like an entirely different world that's just like like Digimon S or did Digimon esque rather? Yeah, yeah, it's weird because like you'll get like some of the like the the kind of like neat I don't want to call it neo noir um like futuristic tech that you know the the original show had but then they like up it a level so it's a little like with like the the second life type of you know social site and stuff so it's mm. it's weird um where it kind of fits in as far as how to view it um if you just view it as a digimon game you'll you'll have you know your pal bonds and all the other kind of stuff that you'll remember from the show yeah and you know your digi evolutions your digi d evolutions dear lord um, <laughs> and that kind of stuff but it's if you view it as just like it's a game that has digimon but don't try to tie it to the show just view it as kind of its own thing is probably the best way to not to be disappointed mm. okay yeah okay awesome all right i you know i i'm gonna have to give that one a go actually especially if it works on 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 platinum if it's especially if it's platinum um yeah you're, ta- you're, you're welcome for the 40 hour drop to that get a- <laughs> <laughs> oh well that's um yeah i'll have to <laughs> i'll have to find that uh schedule that one in All kinds of terrible things can happen when you don't take care of your digital security, and that, of course, includes your passwords. The password manager used and trusted by the Destination Linux network is Bitwarden. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentication, such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all the things to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com forward slash DLN to get started for free. To make things even better, Bitwarden is 100% open source. You can self-host and their code is audited. Go to bitwarden.com forward slash DLN to get started for free. The $10 a year premium account gets you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, time-based one-time password authenticator storage and generation, priority customer support. So, from the bottom of my heart, I would like to thank Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Gamesphere and for all around being a good egg to the Destination Linux Network. Thank you very much. Actually, I'll tell you what game I have I was playing, again, earlier today, actually. I uh, I put out a first impressions video because it, it kind of grabbed me a little bit. Actually, I was playing it, uh, started playing it yesterday. Uh, Open Spades. Um, you can pick it up in the, uh, in the Flat Hub store. Never heard of it. Can't even remember how I came across it. I, it it's just, I maybe someone posted something on mastodon about it or or someone i i don't know maybe i just came across it in the flat hub store i cannot remember now uh this is minecraft meets battlefront sort of right so you've got the voxel world which looks quite nice like is you know decent enough lighting uh like you know good lighting um fully destructible terrains everything is destructible and then you've got your various usual game modes, capture the flag, free for all, um, and uh, team deathmatch, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, stuff that in the realms of what you'd expect. But also, because it's quite a community, because it's an open source game, it's very community driven and there are game modes that the community have put together. Um, and there are two game modes I was playing l- lately, um, Babel and uh, Kraken. Uh, Kraken is mad and it's interesting because basically you have a team of pirates so it's first person, you go around, you shoot with your gun, you can choose a rifle, a submachine gun or a shotgun I believe Uh, and you're you're a team of people and you've got to kill the Kraken the Kraken can come out of the ocean it can use its tentacles to either kill you or like capture you Uh, if it kills you, you respawn you go up at it again. However, if the, the Kraken captures you, you you are locked, you are basically consumed, you're eaten by the Kraken for, I think it's like 40 seconds. If the Kraken 
consumes the entire team within like of that 40 second window so if the kraken consumes the entire team all at once the kraken wins um and there's like a big health bar you i think and you kill the kraken and then the team you know so the team wins if it kills the kraken the kraken wins if it um, it captures everyone um and then the the babel mode is you have to uh build a tower like there are two teams you've got red team you've got blue team you have to build a tower in order to get over to the other side to kill the other players which is um and and every now and then there's like this massive lightning storm that comes down to, to destroy everything that everyone's built so you've got these these interesting game modes alongside the usual ones that um have have been great but the thing that really captured me about it is the fully destructible terrain in a like a team deathmatch scenario because it feels like like a like a war zone in a way that multiplayer games have never felt to me before the idea that like nothing is safe like you could be running along going you know trying to get behind enemy lines and then you know a grenade comes out of nowhere and then you just like fall into a crater um or like you can be like really strategic and you can like smash a hole in the wall and use that as like a vantage point to take out other people in you know so you you've got like there's like sort of like kind of stealthy elements there um the guns fire at a really long range as well which kind of make make for it kind of feels a little bit like PUBG as well uh so that you know like like y- you have to sort of employ a degree of stealth a degree of strategy um in order to 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 move around a level because you know you, you have to hide otherwise it becomes very easy for people snipers effectively to sort of pick you off uh from a distance um and because the train is it's not only fully destructible it's fully like voxel pixel minecrafty so you get given a, a shovel and you get given like the ability to build blocks uh, you get to put blocks down so you could you know you can build walls you can build cover you can build bridges you can build towers and then you can take them all down with a shovel uh, or a grenade and um this like adds just like it doesn't overhaul the idea of a game right you go in with a a team deathmatch the the rules remain the same the the idea of it sort of remains the same but it it changes the sort of the pace the rhythm of it a little bit so that like it in a it's somewhat difficult to describe but like the 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 fully destructible terrains just make it so that it adds a layer of of strategy and and what you can do uh to to get one over on the team uh that uh that has just drawn me in because the thing is about it is like it's not going to be my game of the year like it's not a game that is gonna like uh you know like it's it's you know the the, the shooting is 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 like it all of these components that it has, like the graphics aren't the best, the shooting aren't the best, like it doesn't have all these huge, you know, various customizable stuff or anything like that. Uh, it is quite a straightforward, rather basic shooter, but because of the little changes that it's made, it keeps drawing me back in. And I think I'm going to be playing this one for a while, to be honest. Um, so I, 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 do, I recommend picking it up. It's, it's completely free to play. It's open source. You can develop your own game modes for it. Um, in the, uh, it's in, in the Flathub store. So, um, yeah, this is not one you've uh, come across, is it, Matt? Uh, no, it is not. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to sound bad as a Linux user here, but uh, when it comes to games, I don't look at open source games. Oh, <laughs> there's be, some good ones out there. I, I know, like I know, there are some. Like uh, Warzone 2100 is probably mm-hmm. one of my favorites. Um, Open RA, like I know mm-hmm. there are games out there. It's just mm-hmm. they don't; those games don't tick the boxes for the things that I'm into. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, I'm a story focused, heavy. Like that's my cup of tea for gaming. <laughs> so give me, give me a good story, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm more interested in that. And hate to break it. But a lot of the open source games are just, uh, you, you know, your unvanquished and your, uh, you know, other. The, yeah. They're, they're very. You, uh, I'm trying to quake three. Yeah. Shooters. And it's just not my thing. Yeah. But, no, they're, they're I, I can't think of a single open source game where story like the, the, the sort of build around a story. Um, 
I think Battle of Westnoth has some interesting lore bits here, but it still falls in the realm of of, of um, generic fantasy. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's not a knock mm. on <laughs> open source games. I'm just saying that's not an area I fall into just because mm. of what I have a preference for gaming wise. Mm, absolutely, and I think I think to be honest with open source games, they fill a need like they they fill a niche that is is a niche like they're they're definitely um they they're sort of for the people that make them i guess it is and i think by definition it's always going to have that that sort of indie you know sort of status it's you know they're never going to have mass appeal they're never going to uh draw huge numbers of people in there may be some exceptions here or here or there um but uh yeah, and I think the thing is because so many of these open source games are made by groups of people, by communities, uh, it it kind of makes having uh, games focused around narratives a little bit impossible. Like you, you know, when when you're looking at works of fiction and things like that, you know, you you do need that sort of creative direction, and and that sort of favors the more uh, standard uh, standard approach when it comes to um, to games. So, speaking of narrative games, there is um, going to be a uh, Mass Effect remaster coming to Steam, uh, which is kind of uh, kind of interesting. I'm not the biggest of Bioware like you know fans out there, but I really did enjoy uh, the Mass Effect series when it uh, when it's coming out. Specifically, Mass Effect Two. That was this to me. That was the sweet spot. I really did quite enjoy um mass effect 2 um have you uh, have you got through the mass effect games matt i have and you know what mass effect as a series ends with the citadel dlc <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i feel that yeah i know and exactly that, that, yeah. that's all i'm gonna say I was oh, one yeah. of those. I was one of those guys that sent by work cupcakes so let's put it that way mm, i know me too i was like i Oh See, no, no, fir- no! I I literally sent them cupcakes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was part of that whole retake thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, definitely. Uh, I uh, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, uh, yeah, but I've had plenty of experience with Bioware games. <laughs> I I like it in so far that it it means the Mass Effect three can come to Steam, right? Um, but it does not include Andromeda because no one seems to like Andromeda. Uh, I've not played it, but um, that's because not one person has said that they they liked Andromeda that I know. Um, I I remember playing through the last of Mass Effect three, really enjoying the series, really enjoying watching a galaxy come together. Like I found this like really like quite a fascinating story, fascinating story with really lovable characters. Um, really well-written characters, really interesting characters, uh, interesting ways how various worlds across the galaxy worked. And I was absolutely surprised that that the last 20 minutes kind of undid so much of that for me. The last 20 minutes does does not exist. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. I was... I was... And I remember, okay, so I, I know this is an old game, so I'm going to go into a, a spoiler. But when Morden uh, had, his, had his final moments in Mass Effect 3, like that moved me so much that, like, I, that more than any video game has ever, like, ever done, I think, because I, I love that character. And, and the way that he went out and, and, the way that his motivations changed and the way that his thought processes had changed throughout the, the you know, throughout the events of, of the, of the, you know, the, the final two of the trilogy. I mean, at least, at least Morden didn't get to see the final 20 minutes that didn't exist. That's all, that's all I'll say about it. So, um, so I, what I want to say is when it comes to Bioware, the one thing I've learned is they, this is going to sound, they can't stick a landing on a series, but they create memorable characters, like mm. the 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 personal dynamic and all that, like that that pull and like, like you mentioned with uh, Morden, that kind of stuff. They're really they're actually really really good at. Mm. Um, 
so like uh, is it, I don't know. So like to me, peak Bioware was here's Dragon Age Origins, here's Mass Effect Two, and then it just kind of goes downhill after a certain company bought them. Just gonna, mm. yeah. I may be a glutton for punishment and and get on board with this like maybe you know maybe maybe i'll get this if it runs well enough on proton and then i'll just be upset all over again um <laughs> it's uh i did play through mass effect 2 the other day and i it, i i think it holds up quite well um I remember playing it for the first time, thinking the graphics were just mind blowing, uh, and and they, I think they hold up well enough. Like it's still it's still immersive, it's still good. It's it, I, what I like about Mass Effect Two in particular is the is the rhythm of the game. You've got you know a bit of narrative, a bit of gameplay, a bit of narrative, a bit of gameplay, and it it doesn't dwell too long on either. I think with Mass Effect One, um, you the, they stretched out. The you know they stretched out the the narrative bits they stretched out the the gameplay bits, and there were like particularly the gameplay bits. I did feel like after a while they became a bit of a slog. Many people I know disagree with me on this one. They they actually kind of liked the the long missions. They actually felt like it uh, it, it added to the game. So I th- it's just subjective opinion on my part there. Um, I love the elusive man. Actually, that's like how. Wasn't he just a great character? And that was um, Martin, Martin Sheen, Sheen, right? Yep, it's Martin Sheen. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I, 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 I swore, or I could have sworn shortly after the the series had ended, that like Shepard was going, he he was being claimed by the Reapers. Like you know, like when you notice, like at the be- at the beginning of Mass Effect Three, and he see he starts hallucinating a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I, like I, I'm. I thought that was like he was going to be like he the the reapers were sort of like getting him, you know they were sort of infiltrating his mind, and I thought that there would be a really good twist there that never really happened. Yeah, basically, uh, what they were doing with like spoilers for those who haven't played a game in fifteen years, um, <laughs> you know what they did with uh, like Saren in the first game. Um, you know, yes. Right? Oh, we need him to keep his free will of sorts. <laughs> yeah. That would have, and I would have settled for a sad ending, you know, like a a sad ending would have been better than, I mean, it kind of was, I don't know, like it kind of. Okay. So why did I get a computer case ending? It's literally an RGB ending. Yeah. It it, It, it it is is literally red, blue, or green. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Apparently. Um, I, I never got the green ending, which I don't know if I'd have taken anyway, because the green ending kind of feels like the Reapers win, and like, kind of, I don't know. Yeah, it's synthesis. You, you yeah. force evolution upon everybody. So you basically become bioorganic beings, mm. which is kind of like counterproductive to the whole like point you've been fighting. Yeah, that's the, yeah, exactly. So I... The only, I think the red ending was the only one to me that, that sort of made sense. Like, what was the blue ending? I forget what the blue ending was now. Control. Oh, right. Uh, yes. So, like, you became, you become the new, like, the Reaper God, essentially. And then, yeah. So, yeah. So, so blue or green just sort of are, are just various levels of letting the Reapers win, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you, so you sacrifice yourself, which to be fair, I was well at ease of Shepard, um, you know, dying in that, this, that sort of martyrdom, uh, finale, which kind of would have made a lot of sense. I, I, I really liked, um, I like the, the voice actor for the woman. Was it, um, Jennifer Hale? Is that her name? Yeah, it's Jennifer Hale. Uh, Jennifer, for, yeah. For, for uh, FemShep, mm. as the community affectionately calls her. Yeah, I I I picked her every time because I I think the voice acting for for Femchep was was a a lot better than than um oh what's his name uh, Mark Mayer Mark that's the one and it wasn't like he had a bad voice but like I felt that it was a bit more he was a very sort of generic action hero yeah but I think for the for the male character I think that's almost um intentionally done probably yeah yeah, yeah that that way you can you as the player can 
project onto the said blank canvas of person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you do you have any uh, favorite characters from the from the Mass Effect franchise? Uh, there's honestly there are so many. Mm. Most of the characters that I liked are probably from two. Um, yeah. Personally, for me, I found uh, Samara probably the most interesting character. The, yeah. The, the adjudicator, uh, just a, just a, just a car. Yeah. They are, they're the sword I was looking for. Um, mm-hmm. The, the whole, you know, what do you do? What does the species do that lives, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred years when they decide mm-hmm. to devote their life to something? And that, yeah. that's a, that's an interesting mentality and like her story arc is depressing as all heck yeah yeah because she has to hunt her own sister because her own sister is um no it's, it's her own kids kids that's what else yeah kids. the mom has to kill her kids oh <laughs> dear yeah which to me is uh that's a that's one of those story arcs that i actually really like in that mm. series so um yeah but that that's probably the most memorable character, you know. Obviously, you have like the the certain jokes with like Miranda and a few other ones, but mm. um, I think probably it would probably be Samara. Um, the character growth for uh, Jack as a character from mm. like two to three and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, because she gets yeah. I really like Jack in three because she 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 became like the teacher that she always like kind of felt she she needed you know yeah she, she was she was the teacher that she, <laughs> she she was the 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 cool uh the cool kid yeah the cool teacher uh, yeah the cool bad man pajama teacher there uh oh, that yeah. people like so uh yeah there, there's a lot of small character stuff that i like um mm. but probably jack and samara are probably my favorite characters um mm like uh, i mean obviously you know that you have like garris and stuff but garris is cool if you play like male Shep because that's more of like a bro bromance i guess uh, <laughs> yeah well, I, I always felt there was like sexual tension between fem Shep and, and and garris uh play the uh, play the Citadel dlc and you can romance said oh yeah you can said, yeah said garris um <laughs> so like th- there's some cool stuff that i did like in uh the games especially when it came to the character interactions like again because mm. i think that's bioware that's bioware's strength is their their character development and the character interactions then mm. so i yeah i think i think mine were see mine, mine are all the fan favorites anyway morden legion tally um they're, they're they're great i i really did like jack as well um because i think at least with like because the thing is with, with characters like jack you almost expect there to be like a, a degree of tragedy to them because you know like like jack of course was subject zero for like the um biotic experiments and stuff um but like she actually had like a really positive character arc uh which which was which was kind of nice um and also one of the things of course that is uh goes down in 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 um bioware history is that uh, uh, tally could bring there you could set it up so that uh when tally was uh going to trial for uh was it her her father bringing geth parts along to the quarian fleet yeah uh you or live geth parts uh, uh, to the quarian fleet uh you could actually just bring legion along with you like you just, hey, yeah, just yeah they, they give you the <laughs> uh they give you the look essentially <laughs> that is not coming then tally's like i'm just gonna speak for him oh yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah it's so um, like, like that that particular storyline is cool because you get to see the on especially on if you play two and three you get to see that where that potentially can go mm, yeah I yeah I I really like that um that mission you know uh, I don't know how much I should be ashamed of this but I've actually got all four of the Mass Effect uh books Oh the books uh, are great uh like cuz like the first one talks about like uh uh the admiral in the first Yeah game. oh like, uh Anderson yeah 
like it talks about how he failed to become a specter because of what Saren did. Yeah. Yeah. The the only one that I, I didn't like was like um God. It's been so long since I played the master. The fourth game. one, isn't it? The fourth book. The one about the the, the ninja. Um Yeah. Not a fan. Not not really a fan. Uh, no, I can't even remember the guy's name. He's one of the main enemies in two. One of the main enemies in two. Do you mean three? I know the guy. Uh, yeah. Whatever the 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 cyborgish ninja. Dude. Yeah, like not. Uh, a fan. No, um, I think he does make his appearance. Yeah, he's in the fourth book. I, I think, and that's the book that's writ, uh, written by William Dietz, whereas all the others are written by... Uh, let me just check. Um, uh, oh, yeah, Drew Kardashian, who I think has something to... Who is... Yeah, yeah. no, he's the, yeah, he's the lead writer of the game. And then for yeah. the fourth book, they brought in um, William Dietz, who is, for, for people who don't know, he's like this author who just does generic books for all kinds of video game properties um i think he did the i'm looking over here now um he did yeah he did the hitman book that's pretty terrible uh, he's done uh star wars books i think he did halo books as well and they're pretty not good unfortunately they're just like they're just like here's just a story about an action hero and then they just sort of imprint you know any kind of intellectual property on it like a cash grab basically um so that's the that's the fourth book and it, and the fourth book in the mass effect books was always considered a, you know the weak link yeah, um definitely. but the, th the three before it were great and also the graphic novels definitely worth the uh, worth again to their dark horse um uh comics which are, i really yeah. like them and for those that want something out the else if you're a star wars fan specifically if you're a fan of drew carpenter the Revan series. Oh, hang on. Is that Revan series is in like the, like old, the Republic. old Republic? That's it. So like XR Coon type stuff. Uh, I'm talking like the original KOTOR games. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. So, and Drew Carbishin wrote the Revan books. Oh, so, and there, there's a lot of, or was, was it the Revan books? And I think it was Darth Bane. He had a he had like a long trilogy of books that he did um for Star Wars specifically. Cool. Now that's interesting. Actually, now, now that you've mentioned it, I kind of want to play Kotal. Kotal. Um yeah, a, he did the Darth Bane series, he did um the Revan book. He has he also wrote an uh Annihilation yeah, he's done a lot for Star Wars stuff. Nice. So. Mm, excellent. And he does have his own series. I, Trill on Fire, I think is the name. Mm. Uh, yeah, because he, he, he wrote the um, Star Wars Darth Bane Rule of Two book. Okay, cool. So. Mm. Awesome. Cool, cool. Now I'm being an enabler of books and geek culture. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, as we're approaching the hour, now's now's probably a good time to um, to look at wrapping up. But um, so uh, so so Matt is is uh, going to be uh, uh, taking the baton. Um, with the with the show and to um and and to take it to its uh to its new strength um so there will be some uh some format you know the, the uh, matt's going to sort of take it make it his own and it's going to be quite uh uh quite interesting actually so 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 matt what's uh just sort of you know in in closing the the show here uh what can what can people sort of uh hope to see in um uh, going forward so the short version is if any gamer is a fan of essentially total biscuits, uh, content, <laughs> try, to, try to think of the way to word that, uh, they will remember a series that he did where he basically gave kind of like a 25, 30, 40, 45 minute kind of first impressions of a game. Mm. Uh, we're, uh, I'm going to be looking to, replicate that in a way where we have kind of a 
revolving front door when it comes to getting gamer me being the gamer um <laughs> getting non gate people who are non gamers or one game specific and people like michael's case um, <laughs> who are you know rocket league fans yeah i think is he playing rocket league now i think i've got him on on, on steam <laughs> when isn't he playing rocket league is more <laughs> than <laughs> uh probably whenever he's doing stuff all the stuff for Neil <laughs> that he does in fairness mm. um so i'm gonna we're gonna be live streaming those kind of like first impressions and we'll take something that maybe the 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 other co-host is not a big gamer generically i mean they're the mm-hmm. <laughs> my tastes are all over the place so uh mm-hmm. i think it'll be an interesting take seeing what not typical gamers will think of say like a game like you know dark siders 3 or something like that and mm. Have, you know, either have them play it, we'll play it together, take your pick. Um, some of the stuff's still up in the air, but, but th- there's going to be a live streaming component to it as well. There, we will be keeping the audio component also. So awesome. Great. I, uh, I absolutely look forward to that. And, um, and, and thank you so much for keeping, uh, keeping, uh, GameSphere going. It, it, it's, um, it genuinely means a lot. Um, so, uh, Thank you, everyone at home, for for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. And um, yeah, I've been Chris Ware. Uh, this has been Matt, and you've been watching, listening to the Game Sphere. Toodaloo.